Well, good morning. Welcome again to Fellowship of Grace. Glad that you are with us today. Hey, I, I've just had a great day so far. First service was uh, pretty full and it was exciting and, and really a lot like this service. And I'm, I'm just so excited about what God's doing here and the lives of Fellowship of Grace and uh, the people here. And, and I've just been excited this morning. Uh, I get up really early on Sunday mornings. Um, this morning I got up at four and just spend some time going over my sermon again and praying and, and getting all the final uh, thoughts uh, hopefully in my head. And um, uh, I know some of you uh, know that my wife uh, cuts hair for a living. And a couple of years ago, I shared with you kind of a story. Whenever she goes, she goes every week to get like color and special stuff that women put on their hair that I don't know anything about, don't want to know anything about. Uh, but she goes and gets that stuff every week for her business. And, and um, she gets like, like uh, samples of shampoo. And, and they're, they're full-size bottles, but I think they were trying to sell her on, you know, new brands or whatever. And a couple of years ago, I got into the shower. I never know what's going to be in there. I got into the shower and there's this big red bottle that said, Big and Sexy. Now... I've spent two years trying to, trying to figure out, am I big and sexy? Does she want me to be big and sexy? Or am I big and she's sexy? I'm not sure which one it is. I haven't come to any conclusions. But I was really excited this morning because I got into the shower this morning and I picked up the shampoo, a totally new bottle. I'd never seen it before. And it was called Balancing Shampoo. Technology is amazing. Did you ever think you'd have a shampoo that would help you with your balance? I, that's incredible. The fact that your equilibrium now can be helped by a shampoo is just amazing to me. I don't understand technology, but it's pretty cool. So I've been excited all day long. I'm still excited, and I hope you will be after you hear what God has put on my heart today and hopefully uh, into your ears and then into your heart. We are starting a new series this morning called He Will Be Called, as you can see on the screen. And we're going to talk uh, over the next few weeks about some of the names uh, that Jesus was called. You know, people uh, call me all kinds of things. It's a, a Pastor Michael to a lot of people, and I appreciate that. And, and my, my closest friends, you know, they think of me just as Michael, which is fine. Now, whenever my high school friends are around or my family is around, uh, I know it makes you a little uncomfortable because they all call me Mike. And you're like, ooh, that's kind of weird to me. It doesn't feel right. Uh, that's, what, that's what they call me growing up. And then, of course, my sister uh, would call me Mikey uh, when I was little. So I've had a lot of names. And, of course, my mother, when she does, uses my full name with her clenched teeth, you know, Michael Wayne Porter, I know that I'm in big trouble. And so there's all kinds of names. And then, of course, there's a lot of other names that people call me we won't talk about here. Uh, but here's the thing. They all mean something. They all mean something. They all communicate something about who they think I am, who, they, uh, who, I, who I may actually be. Uh, and, and, and I want you to think this morning about these different names for Jesus, because we're going to go through uh, these five names over the next, really, uh, three weeks. Uh, today we're going to talk about Jesus being a wonderful counselor. Next week we're going to talk about him being our mighty God. On the 18th we'll talk about him being our everlasting Father. And on Christmas Eve, we'll talk about him being Prince of Peace. Now, I want you to invite your friends, because on Christmas Eve, uh, I'm going to share a sermon with you all about how God wants to come and bring peace into our lives through his son, Jesus Christ. Listen, I know our lives, are, or a lot of us are in chaos, and Jesus wants to come and bring peace into our lives. So your friends and neighbors who are looking for peace will find it on Christmas Eve uh, through God's son, Jesus. And then Sunday morning, uh, we're going to actually uh, have a birthday party for Jesus and talk about him being the son of God. We're not going to have a, a children's ministry that morning. We're going to invite the children to be in here with us because we're going to actually have an actual birthday party uh, for Jesus since it is actually his birthday this year. And I want you to be thinking about two things over the next few weeks. 
Uh, and if you're a guest with us today, uh, you can participate or not participate. But for our members, I really want you to think clearly about two things. One, we take a Christmas offering every year, and almost exclusively, those have all gone to ministries outside of our church, except really early on when we were getting started. This year, we're going to divide all of the Christmas offering uh, up between the Lottie Moon uh, offering uh, for the cooperative program. That's a, uh, uh, the cooperative program is the missionary arm of the Southern Baptist Convention that sponsors over 5,000 missionaries all over the world. Part of it's going to go to that, and part of it's going to go to the Missouri Baptist Children's Home. But 100%, 100% of the Christmas offering is going to go to those two organizations. Okay? So I want you to be thinking and praying about what could I give as a tangible gift to Jesus on his birthday. I, I'm going to, I've got four grandsons. I've got three children, and two of them are married. Uh, I, I've got a lot of people to buy gifts for. But God help us if we forget the one whose birthday it is. And, and we'd give him nothing. And so you'd be thinking and praying about that. And then I also want you to be thinking about what gift you will bring to Jesus at his birthday party. Something non-tangible. In other words, I want you to be thinking in terms of what, what can I bring uh, to Jesus' birthday party? You don't want to show up to a birthday party empty-handed. That's just, that's just rude, okay? Uh, so what am I going to bring to Jesus' birthday party? Is it going to be a gift of my time? Is it going to be a gift of my heart? Is it going to be a gift of my, uh, my energy? Is it going to be a gift of my attendance? What is it uh, that you could come uh, on Christmas morning and say, Jesus, I want to offer you this gift on your birthday, something uh, from my heart uh, that I think will be meaningful to him and to you also. So I want you to be thinking about those over the next three weeks. Uh, I, I'm excited about this series. I'm excited about these names. And I'm excited just honestly to be talking uh, about our wonderful Savior and all the ways that we see him. There's over uh, 25, it's really hard to say, but there's 25 to 30 different names uh, that Jesus has in the Bible. Uh, but in the book of Isaiah, uh, the prophecy of Jesus was given to the Jewish people. And we see four of these names highlighted in this passage. I want us to look at that. It's in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Here's what it says. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, every time I read that passage, I hear the hallelujah chorus. How many of you are already singing it in your heads? Okay, nobody but me. Three. Okay, three of us. Uh, we're a kindred spirit. Uh, but I, I always hear the hallelujah chorus going on because it uses this passage and repeats it several times uh, because it's just a really important passage about Jesus and the prophecy of him. All these different names describe a very individual and interesting characteristic of Jesus. And today we're going to be looking at just the one wonderful counselor. Now, the word means uh, wonderful. The word wonderful means really uh, beyond understanding. It, it means too good for words. Now, now listen to the, uh, the strange, perplexing problem here. Uh, the author has to write a word that means too good for words. Okay? And in other words, there are no words to describe how wonderful Jesus is, how wonderful his counseling is, but you have to write a word that describes something that's undescribable. So he chooses the word wonderful, but I want you to understand that that word is really not enough. That, that word does not, I mean, there are a lot of things wonderful in life, okay? Uh, a triple ice cream cone is wonderful, but it, it can be described. This wonderful is something that can't be described with words. And then it says that Jesus is our counselor. 
And of course, that means to advise, to consult, uh, to, to give guidance to. Jesus is here to be our counselor. Now, I'm going to say something that will probably move you back a little bit, but, but stay with me till the end. I think you'll be okay with it. I think everybody needs counseling. I just think everybody on the planet needs counseling at some point in their lives. Now, we all may not need to, to pay money and go see a professional counselor. Uh, we may not uh, need to, uh, you know, go and have our brains all figured out and all that kind of stuff. But all of us need counsel from somebody. And I would, I would declare to you that all of us do have counselors. But what kind of counselors do we have? And what kind of counselor is Jesus ready to be? Look at Luke chapter 5, verse 31 and 32. It says this, And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now I want us to look at that verse kind of carefully for a minute. Because when you look at it on its face, and actually if the verse would have stopped early, we could have interpreted that pretty clearly to mean it's talking about physical illness. If this verse was only, and Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, of a physician but those who are sick, and it stopped right there, we could, we could pretty easily interpret that to say, hey, listen, uh, uh, Jesus is saying there, if you are sick, if you have any kind of disease, he will be there to heal you. But it doesn't stop there. And it's not two ideas, it's one idea together. He says, listen, I want to I paint a picture for you. When you're sick, what do you do? You go to the doctor. You go to a physician. You get help. And what he's saying is, hey, just like that, I'm your physician in the spiritual realm, in the emotional realm, in the relational realm. Then he says, I have not come to call the righteous, that's what he's talking about, but sinners to repentance. It's an interesting correlation that he gives there. He's saying he's there to give us spiritual, emotional, and relational counsel. Folks, he's here to provide us with what we need to repent of our sins and overcome the results and the ramifications of those sins. Now, it doesn't mean that he's going to take away all the consequences, but he can take away some and he can help us to not repeat them. And that word repentance means to turn around. It means I'm walking this direction, doing what I want, when I want, how I want, my own thinking, and at some point I go, wait, this isn't working. I've walked into the darkness here. I don't know what's happening. I need to turn around and go back the other way and do things God's way, with his timing, with his plan, in his way. It's the act of turning around and going the opposite direction. Who are your counselors? You have them. Who do you go to for advice? Who do you rely on for expertise? in the area of your heart and your head and your spirit. Do you go to these people? There's Dr. Phil and Oprah and Ellen and the Wizard of Oz or Dr. Oz or whatever he's named. I don't know what his name is. Okay? Now listen, I, I'm not saying these are bad people. In fact, I think Dr. Phil gives some good advice every once in a while. But I hope these aren't the people that you go to for the really important counsel of your heart and your soul and your spirit. Jesus is the only one that can heal us from the consequences of our sin. He's the only one that can give us true and real advice 
that changes our lives from the inside out. So if that's who he is, one who you know, knows how we're put together, knows how, how we're wired, and knows us in our sinfulness, how do we approach him? How do I schedule an appointment to meet with Jesus and get some good counsel? Well, that's what I want us to talk about the rest of this morning. And here's the first step. Be totally honest with the counselor. Let's be honest about who we really are, folks. And by the way, you know the person that we lie to the most? Ourselves. Ourselves. We've, when we begin to feel bad about who we are, we like to convince ourselves that we're really better than we are. We don't like to face the truth sometimes about who we are. And, and folks, <laughs> the Bible's pretty clear about that. But we need to be honest with ourselves and with the counselor, Jesus. Many of us, when we come to counseling, we want the counselor to tell us how to fix somebody else. We want the counselor to, to tell us, hey, you know, these people at work are treating me badly and you know, I want to go to a counselor and tell me how they need to fix their lives. So I guess I can tell them. I don't know. Listen, we have to realize that the cause of our sinful behavior and the results of our sinful behavior is us. It's just us. Look what it says in Jeremiah 17, 9. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Now, I'm not trying to, to, to beat up on you this morning. I'm not trying to, to drive your self-esteem right down into the dirt, but it's important that we understand a clear picture of who we are, folks. Right here, God's word says, listen, our hearts, they lie to us. They, they make us want to do things that we shouldn't want to do. They, we deceive ourselves, and we're desperately sick in our hearts. We're desperately sick in our hearts. It is my heart that's wicked and prone to sin. I'm the sick one. I need help. The majority of the time, I am the cause of my messed up life and relationships. Not anybody else. Not any other situation. It's me. Look what it says in Proverbs 12, 15. It says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Listen. For most of us, we think we're right about everything. And, and while we say, because we don't want to sound conceited, we go, well, I know I'm not right about anything, about everything. I know that I'm not right about everything. Fine, name three things you're not right about. I'll bet you can't. Because in the reality is, we do think we're right about everything or we change our opinion. When's the last time somebody complained to you at work or, at your, or in your neighborhood about a relationship gone wrong and then they take the blame for all the problems? In other words, when's the last time somebody says, hey, you know what, man, my wife and I, we are button heads like crazy and I don't know if we're going to make it. We're just really struggling and boy, that, boy, that's just my, I'm just an idiot and I just do a lot of stupid, selfish things and, and I think it's just really me and I wish I could be a better man and I wish, when's the last time you heard somebody do that? Almost never. Almost never, we always point to the other person. Folks, today, I want all of us together to stop justifying a life full of sin and the consequences of sin and trying to blame somebody else. Let's just admit to the counselor that we don't have the answers to life. Let's just admit to the wonderful counselor that our lives are messed up mostly because of us. But we need some help. Help. 
And at the, at the root of everything is Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is the heart of everything, folks. We are sinners. And we are selfish and self-serving and self-exalting and self-promoting and every other hyphenated and compound word that starts with self. We're all of them. We're all of them. But once we are ready to admit relational counseling because we are the problem, not everybody else, we're in a good spot because now we can interact with the wonderful counselor. Now we can interact with the one who has all the answers to life, all the answers to life situations. And so once we are honest with ourselves, what do we do? Well, we have to listen to the counselor, folks. We have to listen to the counselor. It's really interesting. You know, I do a lot of uh, premarital counseling, marital counseling, uh, uh, family counseling, uh, counseling about children and them being out of whack or whatever. Hey, it's really interesting how many people want to come and complain to a counselor, but they really aren't in the mood or mind to listen. That means they really aren't coming for counsel. They're really coming for someone to justify or support what they already think or believe. Now, at one point in Jesus' ministry, he took Peter, James, and John, and he got alone with them up on a mountain. And Jesus began to glow bright like an angel, and Elijah and Moses appeared. They talked for a while with Jesus, and then Peter started rambling because that's kind of what Peter does. He, he was scared. In fact, the Bible says he was terrified. He didn't know what to say, so he just starts talking. Then a voice from heaven says this in Mark 9, 7. It says, and a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to him. Folks, God's telling us today, listen to Jesus. He has great advice. He is the wonderful counselor. If anybody in this world is worth listening to, he is. Listen, a lot of Jesus' words and advice are captured right here in this Bible. Why don't we read it? Why don't we listen to it? I mean, do we approach this, and, and those of us who try to spend time in this uh, every day, do we approach this as, hey, I'm going to do my, my due diligence and do my religious thing today and read the Bible? Or do we say, listen, Jesus, I'm messed up. Teach me today. I'm listening. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to read this, and I'm going to listen how to fix my broken life how you're going to help me fix my broken life. I'm going to listen and hear how you want to help me have a different life. I'm really going to listen, Jesus, so speak to me. Speak to me. We need to listen to what Jesus says, folks, because he's the wonderful counselor. Dr. Phil's an okay counselor, but Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Look what it says in John 10, 27. Jesus says this. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now listen, they're, they're, this, this one verse could be a five-week sermon series, at least three, because there's three phrases here, and they are very deep. I want to talk about them just briefly here. Jesus says, the first thing he says, listen, my sheep hear my voice. See, they, they know what I sound like in their hearts. Now, this implies some things. So if you hear that and you say, okay, Jesus says, hear my sheep, hear my voice. I don't hear Jesus' voice. 
I don't ever hear him speaking to me. I don't ever hear him leading my heart. What does that mean? Well, it might mean that maybe you aren't one of his sheep. The reality is, folks, the only ones that are his sheep are those who have realized that they are sinners, who realize that there's nothing that we can do to overcome our sin. And by putting our faith and trust in what Jesus did on the cross to pay for our sins by giving his perfect life, do we have the opportunity, opportunity to be in a relationship with God the Father through his Son? By putting our faith and trust in what Jesus did on the cross and that alone to save us makes us one of his sheep. And if you never hear the voice of Jesus, if you pick up this book and read it and you go, yeah, it doesn't, make any, doesn't do anything for me, doesn't make any sense to me, and you never feel God's leading in your heart in accordance with his word, the reality is you might not be one of his sheep. I can't decide that for you. Only you know that. But you can become his sheep today, if you aren't, by deciding today to put your faith and trust in what Jesus did on the cross to save you. And in that moment, when you make that decision and you speak it with your mouth, the Bible says you'll be saved. He says, my sheep hear my voice. We might be one of his sheep with a wool cap pulled down over our heads, down over our ears so we can't hear. And we say, Jesus, get back. Uh, I don't want to hear what you have to say. I want to do my own thing. Leave me alone. Folks, we got to be careful about that. Because if the wonderful counselor is trying to share with us how to bless our lives and we simply pull the cap down over our ears, we're fooling ourselves. We're shooting ourselves in the foot. Sheep hear my voice. Then he says, and I know them. Wow. But that, those three little words there mean, I know them backwards and forwards. I know what they're like. I know what's in their hearts and what's in their minds. I know what moves them. I know what tempts them. I know what they do in secret. I know them inside out folks the wonderful counselor i mean this is one of the reasons why we should just be honest with him who we are because <laughs> we aren't getting anything by him he knows us inside out we can't fool him we can't outmaneuver him we can't outdebate him he knows us from the inside out and then the final thing he says is and they follow me so my sheep they hear my voice, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly communicating to them, and they hear me, and I know them. I mean, I deeply know them, and they follow me. Maybe not perfectly, but they're attempting to follow me, which really brings us to our final point. Jesus is saying they don't just belong to me, they aren't just known by me, but they obey me. So we need to do what the counselor says. What an incredible waste of time and money to go to a counselor, be deeply honest about yourself, listen really carefully to all the counselor's advice, especially when you know he's wonderful, and then to walk away only to ignore everything he said and do what you want to anyway. What an incredible waste that is. How did Jesus address this? Well, look at Luke eleven twenty eight. He says, but he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Now, folks, 
listen, if you, how many of you uh, just have no interest at all in God blessing your life? Let me see your hands. You have just no, no interest at all in God ever blessing your life. Let me see your hands. Of course, nobody. Nobody. And he's telling us uh, right here uh, kind of the magic formula. You want God's blessing in your life? Hear the word of God and obey it. Just do it. It's Nike theology. Just do it. When you hear what I say, just do it. If you want to be blessed in life, listen and obey. Listen and obey. Do what the counselor says. Let me ask you a question. If your life is chaotic and messed up, and your heart is messed up, and your mind is messed up, and your mind is chaotic, and and circumstances around you are chaotic, and your relationships are all chaotic, and your life is coming crashing down around you, shouldn't it at least be worth a try to listen and obey God? Uh, What have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? Nothing. Now, I was licensed to the gospel ministry in 1980. And I was ordained in 1983, and I have never in all my life, in all of my ministry, have I heard a single person say this. I really searched God's word, I read it, and I did what Jesus told me to do, and it really messed up my life. That was the worst advice I have ever gotten, said no one ever. Listen, folks, you can't find anybody who says, listen, I, 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 I put my heart and soul into this. I have read it, I have studied it, I have memorized it, I have, I have learned it, I have reread it, I have reread it, I have studied it. I have learned to do these things and, and given my life to the pursuit of righteousness in God's kingdom. And it's just destroyed my life. It just totally messed me up. Nobody says that. Why do they not say that? Because that's not the results. Folks, the people that pursue God and have this kind of relationship with him and let him be their wonderful counselor, their lives are blessed. Now, that doesn't mean, doesn't mean that, hey, I'm going to go home, I'm going to read a few verses, a big sack of money is going to fall down from heaven and hit my front yard and all my problems are going to be solved. This doesn't always mean uh, financial blessings. In fact, most of the time, it's not financial or tangible. But I'll tell you something. I wouldn't trade peace in my heart for all the money in the world. I wouldn't trade uh, non-chaos in my life for all the money in the world. I wouldn't trade good relationships with my wife and my children and my grandchildren for any money in the world. See, Jesus blesses us with things that are way, way better than money. Do you remember in James, we just got through a study in the book of James. In James chapter 1, verse 25, it says this. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in what? In his doing. And what that verse, what that, what that, the end of that verse means, in everything he does. He'll be blessed in everything he does. If you will stop being a reader of the word, your own thing, if you will start reading it, hearing it, and doing it, God says, I will bless you in every area of life. I'll just bless your life. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't need that? I can tell you, folks, I need God's blessing, I need God's wise counsel. 
I need to be coming to him and, and talking to him about the things that, that, that tempt me, that mess me up, that are still selfish at times, and all the things that I do and think. And I need the wonderful counsel of Jesus to, to, to help me. But the only way his great counsel is going to help is if I come and be honest about who I am. And then I listen carefully. I stop talking for a little bit. I, I resist the notion to fill the silence with the sound of my own voice. And I just listen. And I read his word. And I wait for him to speak to my heart. And then when I've listened carefully, I simply do what he says. Folks, all of us, our lives will be better. Our relationships will be better. Our, our, our hearts will be better. The chaos in our lives will be less. At least it'll affect us less. Folks, God wants to bless our, our lives. But the biggest problem is we don't want to do the things necessary to have his blessings. We have a tendency to want to do what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it. And whether we have crossed the line of faith and given our lives to Jesus or whether we're still just curious about it and we're finding out about Jesus and we haven't crossed that line of faith yet, no matter which side you're on, folks, when we, we get all self-involved and do what we want to do, God's blessing just, just comes, I mean, it's almost like this. It's like, it's like God's blessing is on us and we start doing what we want, when we want, how we want, and it's just like God just, I'm just, just, gonna, with, I'm just gonna withdraw my blessing for a little bit. And let you experience life the way you want to do it. Now listen, those of us who are parents, we do this with our children, don't we? You, you want to experience doing your own thing the way you want to do it, how you want to? Okay, try that for a while, see how it goes. I remember when Mandy was just like two and a half maybe. She kept leaning back in this chair. And, and I, I would say, Mandra, Stop. Stop leaning back in that chair. It was just one of those little like big bird chairs. You know, it was like her head was two feet off the ground and it was carpeted. So I did that three or four times and I just sat there and I go, you know what? She's not going to get hurt that bad. <laughs> I'm going to quit telling her. And even at the age of two or three, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you experience life uh, apart from dad I'm going to take my hand off you, let you do what you want, how you want, when you want, and I'm going to let you lean back in the chair. And she did, and she looked at me like, hey, look, I'm leaning back. I expect you to yell at me. I'm like, no, go ahead. She went backwards. Didn't hurt her any, you know, just bumped her head on the back. Didn't hurt at all. But it scared her good. And I said, sweetheart, that's, that's why you got to listen to daddy. I love you. I'm telling you things because I, I want your life to be blessed. I want to keep you from being hurt. I want to keep you from being scarred. I want to keep you from all the chaos that life will bring. If you will just listen to me, your life will be less chaotic. I think God is just a lot like that. I just think he's a lot like that. I think at times he's just like, okay, you want to do your thing? Do your thing. And when we fall back and bump our head hard enough, we come running to him and he's like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm here to love you. I still love you. I'm still here with you. But this is why you got to listen to me. This is why you got to come to me and listen and do what I tell you because I love you and I want to bless your life. 
You know, the Bible says that we who are earthly fathers, if we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much greater does the perfect heavenly father know how to give good gifts to his children? I believe that. And so, folks, I want to encourage us today. I want to encourage you. Let Jesus be your wonderful counselor. Let him help you. Let him bless your life. And you do that by being real with him about who we are and saying, God, I can't do anything about my sinfulness apart from you. You have to help me. And then let's listen and do what he says. And when we do that, folks, our life will be blessed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you love us so much that you have sent your word and you have sent your spirit to us to love us and to counsel us, to be our wonderful counselor. Father, we are so thankful that you want to help us, that you were there at the ready, willing to listen to us and then willing to speak to us. God, help us be ready for you and ready to obey you. God, forgive us where we have failed. Forgive us where we have decided to do things our own way and lean back in our chairs and bump our heads. But Father, we are thankful that you always take us back and you're always there to love us and to encourage us and to bless us if we will just repent and turn around from the things we've done and come back to you. Father, help us to not just serve you with our lips or with our uh, leftovers, but Father, this Christmas season, help us to really make decisions to serve you and to love you with our hearts and our minds and our resources so that we can just have a great relationship with you. We know you want to bless us. Help us not be the barrier that keeps that from happening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.